If you would, and don't mind standing if you're able, and uh, we're going to begin reading in verse 1. We'll read on through verse 4 in 1 Thessalonians, beginning in verse 1. The Bible says, Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus unto the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in sight of God and our Father, knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God. You may be seated. Faith, love, and hope, three words that are used here. I think three key words if you read both these letters that kind of see it throughout the letters. Uh, Paul just trying to encourage these churches and, uh, and so there's that continual thought process of this, and it runs throughout, and we see him trying to encourage people to continue to work because of their faith, and the reason that we do the work that we do is because we have faith, and so that should encourage us to continue on. We have faith, therefore we do the work that we do, and then you look at this and you see there's a labor here that he speaks of, and really that labor of love is that labor to reach others with the gospel and so when he talks about that labor of love, it's that we're doing this so we might reach others with the gospel. And then he makes another statement here, and he says, uh, in patience of hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and so there's that hope that's waiting upon the Lord, and whether we're in our time of sufferings or whatever the case may be, uh, we're waiting patiently on Jesus Christ's return. And so we do that by faith. And so as we look at this, in the opening of this letter, we find encouragement from Paul to those believers to keep their focus centered on Jesus Christ. And folks, may I just share this with you tonight? I believe from the depths of my soul, if we would stay more focused on Jesus Christ than anything in our lives, things would be different for us. Amen. The more we focus on him and the less we think about self or whatever, I can't imagine we're going wrong when we keep him on our mind. And the Bible says, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Well, what was in the mind of Christ? I do always those things which please the what? Father. Father. And I think sometimes we allow our days, our time, things to get away from us. We allow our problems and all that kind of stuff to consume us, and we forget about our Savior. And so I think a challenge to us is to really kind of keep him in the forefront of our mind, keep him the center of all things. Now, even as he and others that Paul raised in the ministry of Christ are doing, so do even you, he tells them, that uh, we're praying for one another, remembering each other, and we do so because we are saved and we love the Lord. The reason we pray for one another is because we ought to love one another in the Lord Jesus Christ. We ought to have a desire to remember and mention one another in our prayers, not in a negative way, but in a very positive way, and very, very much so that we remember the labor of love. We're remembering one another in our prayers throughout the week and, and just bringing each other before the Lord. And so I believe this is what Paul's trying to encourage them to do. And so I challenged myself, I began to think about this. Would others be able to see your faith by your works? Would, would, would people know that you were a saved individual, a Christian, by, by your works, the things that you do? Now, you don't do them to get saved, but as a saved person, would people look at your life and say, you know what, that person's different. There's something about their life. It, it, it talks, it speaks volumes. So what's different about your life? And so I ask you this question, would others be able to see your faith by your works and then your love for others as, your labor, as you labor for souls? Do, do people really see that you care about souls? Uh, do they know that you love people and that you want to see them get saved and that you talk to them about Jesus Christ? 
This morning I preached to you about, uh, uh, you know, about your relationship with Jesus Christ and, and uh, you know, wh where is he in the presence of your life? Where is he as far as do you, do you really walk with him? Do you talk about him? Do you share your faith with other people? And if we have a love for souls, if we love people, we'll talk about Jesus because Jesus can woo them unto him. We just need to be talking about him. We need to share his name with others. And so not only your love for others as you labor for souls, then, then there's that patient endurance. <laughs> and sometimes it's hard to endure, isn't it? It's hard to keep going and keep functioning. Sometimes we want results. Would you agree with that? We, we kind of want to see results sometimes. And when we don't see results, we think nothing is happening. And yet we need to patiently endure and keep moving forward. And even in the trials, while awaiting the return of our Savior, we need to be patient and really continue to reach out to people. You never know that day that's going to come whenever you share with them your faith or faith in Christ Jesus, and it's going to be a day that's going to change their life. And listen, don't be afraid. Don't fear it. Talk about him. Share him with others. Do all that you can. So in, in looking at this, would others be able to see your faith? So our faith, our love, and our hope is to be a working demonstration for other people. And, and they ought to be able to see it in our lives. They know that we're different. And uh, I share this with you occasionally, but uh, when my family would come and I was living in the D.C. area after I'd gotten saved, uh, they, they kind of slowed down coming. Because when they would come, they would want me to take them into D.C., they would want me to take them downtown, they would want me to take them on tours, they would want me to do all this stuff, but they would want to come in on Sundays. And I told them I cannot. I said, you can go to church with us. And uh, so a couple of times I got some of my family members to go to church with me over at Loudon, but after a while, they realized we're not going to Bob's unless we go like on a Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And then they found out I was going out soul winning. And so they said, well, we can come Thursday and Friday. And finally, I nailed them down one time. I came out here to Ohio, <laughs> and I said, now listen, I'm going over to Pastor Rock's church over here in Columbus, and I said I was going to go over and visit Brother Rock's church. How many of you would like to go? And finally, three of them actually admitted, I just don't want to go to church. You go to church every Sunday. Why do you have to go to church this Sunday? The family's all here. I said, because I love the Lord. <laughs> I want to go to church. Now, I'm not lifting myself up. I'm just simply saying you have to have that in your life. You have to be able to tell people you love the Lord Jesus Christ. And there are actions and steps that we take because we love the Lord. We do things out of a love for Him. So our faith, our love, and our hope is to be a working demonstration for all to see the love of Christ, that they would really want to turn unto this loving Savior that we have. Would you admit that He's a loving Savior? And so you want them to turn toward Him, not away from Him. And so love people, reach out to them, but stick uh, to your faith. Our faith, love, and hope should cause us to do some things. Here's some things that I really believe it ought to cause us to do. When I read what Paul wrote here, I think it ought to cause us to pray for one another. Notice what he says here. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope. I think it ought to be praying for one another, remembering one another. And, and then encouraging one another, encouraging one another to stay faithful to God, stay faithful to Christ in our homes, in our hearts, in our lives, in our faithfulness and service to Him. And so one of the things I want to challenge us with tonight is praying for one another. You know, when we read the openings of letters sometimes, I think we glaze over those openings. You know, you open up a book like Thessalonians and you read this, and we might just glaze over what it says. 
And you look at this, and he said, Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus, unto the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God the Father. <laughs> Where is the church? In God the Father. And then he says, and in the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and you know, sometimes we kind of glaze over reading these intros into these letters, and we think they mean nothing. They mean everything. It is truly an introduction of where Paul stood and where Timotheus stood and where Sylvanius stood as far as their belief and their understanding of this local New Testament church. And so the opening of this letter is sincere and it's a clear understanding that the church belongs to God. It belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. And then Paul included these other men into this and it shows that unity of belief that Christ established this work. Paul didn't say, hey, I, I, I established that church in Thessalonica. He did not say that, did he? But he said a church that's been established and how? In God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's lifting up God and the Lord. And that's really what we ought to do when it comes to the local church. It's about Christ and it's Christ-centered. So this is to be a lesson to us that the church belongs not to man but to God. And God is the one who establishes that local church. He builds that and it's based on his good pleasure when he chooses to do these things. And then I love what Paul does here as well. Not only did he say this is who the church belongs to, but then he says this, grace be unto you and peace. Now we might just say, oh, isn't that sweet of Paul? <laughs> grace and peace be unto you. But I want you to notice what he says. From God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not just, uh, you know, Tim and Paul and, and Silvanius. It's not just them. He's saying, look, this is in Christ that we say these things unto you. And he brings forth this thought of grace and peace. And so Paul extends this greeting to them. And uh, when you look at this, he said, look, it's not just coming from me, Paul, the church planner, or Paul, me, the missionary, but this is coming from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. He's extending grace and peace unto you from God the Father. And so we might glaze over an introduction like that, not really thinking about how important that is. And then he says this, we give thanks to God always for you all. So who do they give thanks to? For these people, for this church. Where's the thanks going to? It's going to God, isn't it? And so you look at this, and we see Paul really laying this out. And there's a spirit of thankfulness that always comes from Paul, and it's always directed toward others and the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I say, what a powerful lesson. What a powerful lesson for us to read that introduction to that letter and for us to learn that the church comes by way of Christ and these people belong to God and our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's who they belong to. And so Paul kind of puts that out there. And, you know, I began to think, how many of us really have a spirit of thankfulness in us? Would you say that you have a spirit of thankfulness in you? Do you would you say, you know what, I really have a very thankful spirit. <laughs> I have a thankful heart. And, and, you know, when I read the Bible, do you know we really ought to have a spirit of thankfulness? Let me give you some verses. If you don't believe me, I'll show you according to the Bible. How's that sound? So let me give you some verses that ought to help us understand the importance of having a thankful spirit, having a thankful heart. Let me give you Ephesians 5.20. Listen to this. Giving thanks always for all things unto God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Giving thanks always for... All things. How often should we be giving thanks? Always and for what? For all things. So the Bible says to us that there ought to be that kind of spirit present in our lives. You say, no, that's, that's just Paul writing a letter to people and he's just saying this about himself. No, I don't think it was just written so that Paul would say those words. I think it was written to say, hey, we ought to have a spirit of thankfulness in us. 
And we ought to have that spirit of wanting to do this to God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. How many of you know Colossians 3.17 where he says, And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. How many of you know that? And you know what he says next in that same verse? He says, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. There's a thankfulness, isn't there? He tells us this is what we should have, this is how we should be, this is how we should act, and we ought to be thanking God for that. Let me give you 1 Thessalonians 5.18. How many of you know that one off by heart? In everything give what? Thanks. Thanks. And boy, that's hard to do because he said, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. I had someone that was upset one time, and I was sharing this verse with them, and they were upset with me. He, and, and she said to me, she said, it says in everything give thanks. It didn't say give thanks for all things. And so I took her to the other verse that said that we're supposed to give thanks for all things. I don't know how that changes, but the fact is is that we are to be thankful. And, and, and even sometimes when things are going wrong, God wants us to still maintain a spirit of thankfulness in our hearts. Why? Because he's never leaving us alone. He never forsakes us. For, for our God does not do that to us. He's always with us. So even in our trials and in our trouble, we can be thankful that God is with us. Would you agree? And, and, and I share with you that we can't allow ourselves to become bitter when things don't go our way because God has not left us nor forsaken us, but he's with us. Let me give you another verse. 1 Timothy 2.1. I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and you ready for this? And giving of thanks. <laughs> now, wait a minute, because <laughs> this says in giving of thanks for all men, not just saved men. <laughs> it just says giving of thanks for all men. In other words, we ought to be praying that people get saved. Would you agree? And you see in, in this passage, we ought to have a spirit of thankfulness, asking God to help us. Hey, when someone's nasty to you, you ought to try to win them to Christ. <laughs> I'm telling you the truth. I have tried to win some very nasty people to Christ at times. You say, preacher, how's that worked out for you? Not so well to date. <laughs> but the thing of it is, is I'm still going to share the gospel with them because the only thing that's going to change them is Christ. I can't do anything. And, and the only thing we can do is have a spirit of thankfulness toward God because he gave us the spirit of God and we have an ability to witness on God's behalf. Thank God we're able to do that. And, and what we ought to do is have that spirit of thankfulness in us. And here's the one I absolutely love. <laughs> Hebrews 13, 15. A wonderful verse. And it says, By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That means it should never stop. Would you agree? <laughs> it should never stop my thankfulness toward God. He says we should have this lips of sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is, the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. The fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. Think about that for a moment, the fruit of our lips. So it's something that's being produced by us, isn't it? It's something that's coming off of us. When you think of fruit, it's something that's coming out of us, isn't it? And he says that the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. So we should find a principle that should be applied by all of us, and that is prayer. And notice the focus of this prayer. He says, we give thanks to God always for y'all, making mention of you in our prayers. He's always talking about them, making mention of them in our prayers. What I challenge each of us to do is to pray for one another by name. You say, I don't have time for that. <laughs> I really don't, preacher. I don't have time for that. 
Do you know what would be good to do is if you have a Sunday list, a Monday list, a Tuesday list, a Wednesday list, a Thursday list, a Friday list, a Saturday list. And you could break all the members of the church out into those lists. You could do the same thing with our missionaries. You could do it with the needs that we have. And you say, well, we got a prayer list. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying, are you making mention of one another in your prayers? And not, Lord, please take them off at the knees. <laughs> That's not the prayer. The prayer is, is reaching out and asking God to do something in their lives, to help them meet their needs. Do something for them, Lord. Encourage them if they're down today. How many of you here uh, right now would say sometime throughout the week God has brought some other name of some other member of the church to your heart? And when they do, what do you do about it? I don't think that's an accident. <laughs> I think God does that on purpose. He brings each other's names to us on purpose. And when he does, what do you do about it? So I'm challenging you whenever God does that, I would just stop and pray for him at that moment or maybe send them a text and let them know that you're praying for them or maybe give them a call. Reach out to them that week. Do something, but do something about it. And here's the thing. Pray for them. At least stop and pray for that name. But you know we ought to make mention of each other in our prayers. <laughs> we ought to be bringing each other before our Lord, making mention of you in our prayers. Now, keeping one another in prayer is spiritually healthy for you. My pastor told me, he said, hey, Bobby, he said, listen to me. When things go wrong, go try to win somebody to the Lord. <laughs> he said, go do something for somebody else. He said, go mow somebody's lawn. He said, go, go just do something for somebody. He said, when things are going wrong for you, go do something for somebody else. He said, it'll change your whole attitude. It'll change your whole spirit. He said, when things are going wrong for you, reach out to somebody else. He said, you'd be amazed at how God will make that problem, that difficulty, that situation for you pale in comparison to how you were feeling a moment ago. He said, just reach out to somebody. Go do something for someone else. Do something. Here's the thing. These prayers are not just in critical times, and I believe we ought to pray for people in critical times, but I believe this is a continual spirit of the heart. And I think it's an attitude of the heart, remembering each other and lifting up one another before the Lord, encouraging one another. Part of prayer is to pray for those who put forth effort to help the ministry. I notice what he says here. He said, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, your labor of love, your work of faith, your labor of love. And he talks about impatience of hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. Here, remembering one another. We find a habit that Paul had in and by the way, not every habit in life is a bad habit. <laughs> we can develop some good habits too, wouldn't you agree? It'd be a good habit to pray every day. It'd be a good habit to read your Bible every day. It might be a bad habit to bite your fingernails, but it's not a bad habit to pick up the Bible and read it. <laughs> and, it and it's good to develop some good habits. And so I believe in this case, uh, we see a, a habit that he had. And not every habit's bad, but we need to develop some good habits. And this habit is remembering without ceasing the good in others. Do you know what's the easiest thing in the world to do? Be a critic. It's easy. You know, how many of you remember what was his name? Uh, Siskel and Ebert or whatever. They used to rate movies or whatever, and they would give it a thumbs up and a thumbs down. And I said, those clowns get paid for that. <laughs> they get paid to just give a thumbs up and a thumbs down to a movie. They were critics. So they got to sit there and tell you whether you should go see this film or not. The easiest thing in the world to do is criticize. 
it is hard to see the good in people sometimes. It's hard. And you know, if you would just allow your mind to gravitate toward that which is good and not that which is bad, he said in this case, he said, we give thanks to God always, remembering without ceasing your work of faith. He's remembering them for good things. And we find three key areas that were prayed about. And obviously, with a spirit of thanksgiving is found in the previous verses, he said, we're thinking about your work of faith. In other words, a faith that is observable. Is your faith observable? Can somebody see your faith? It ought to be, wouldn't you agree? There, there ought to be something observable in my life that says I have faith in Jesus Christ. And so if he's talking about this and he says your work of faith, it ought to be something that's observable, that demonstrates my faith in what? Myself or in my Christ? <laughs> and it should demonstrate that. And then he said your labor of love, and this is a love or a care for others, this requires effort. <laughs> it requires effort. That little baby you got requires some effort right now, doesn't it? You have to feed her and change her and do all those things, right? You know, and there'll come a time where they're kind of becoming independent. And, uh, you know, they'll kind of do things on their own and they'll start feeding themselves. <laughs> but sometimes it takes a lot of effort, doesn't it, to take care of a baby? How many of you have taken care of a, a colicky baby? Or how many of you have taken care of a baby that's just teething and having a terrible time with it? How many of you have you've had to take care of a child sometimes? And it requires effort sometimes, doesn't it? Or a child that has the croup, you know, they have the whooping cough or whatever you call it. And uh, I remember Connor had it one time. I was scared to death. Every time he'd cough, I'd be, oh, you know, you hear it and you're like, he's going to die. <laughs> but, I mean, it requires effort, doesn't it? And, and the thing of it is, is it's a love that you have for that child that pushes you to care for them, doesn't it? It's the ladies that would stay up all night with the child just trying to comfort them when they were not comfortable. And you're trying to do everything you can. And it requires effort to do that, doesn't it? And so whenever he talks about your labor of love, a love or a care for others that requires effort, it takes effort to love some people sometimes. I, I, I've said many a time, it's like, you know, sometimes uh, some folks can be just like, sandpaper against the skin, but it's hard sometimes to try to minister to people or try to help some people sometimes. And, and, and it's like just, it's, it's gritting against you, but, but the thing of it is, the love of Christ can help you overcome those things. It's the love of Christ that can cause you to reach out to that person or love that person when they're not so lovely. It takes effort. But do you know that kind of effort is a labor of love? Why? Because you love the Lord Jesus Christ, so you do it. <laughs> and it's hard sometimes. And then there's this, your patience of hope. This is endurance as we look toward the coming Savior. It, you keep moving ahead. You keep moving forward. You don't stand still. You move forward in your effort toward those things that have eternal value. You keep pressing toward those. And notice that work and faith are together and labor and love are together and patience and hope are together. Hey, listen, I don't think God writes anything by accident. He did that on purpose. And he put those words and he penned those words and he put those words together. He put that activity, that action. That is not an accident. Ever working faith and labor of love that's continually laboring for the bodies and the souls of men and women. And they see your faith. They see your labor. And we endure because we have hope in Jesus Christ. <laughs> I don't think God wrote that by accident. I think he put those words together on purpose for us. 
And so when you read that, he's saying this ought to be characteristics that are present in our lives. This is how we ought to behave. This is how we ought to act. This is how we ought to be. And so God puts those in writing. And Paul reasons this for thankfulness. He said, what are the reasons for my thankfulness? Well, works which result from faith. You see, the works result from faith. (laughs) The works result from faith. I, I do the works I do because I have faith. And then he says, toil for others. And this is caused by a love for Christ. And sometimes even when a situation or an individual is not so lovely and we're trying to love them, we love them because we love Christ. (laughs) And you reach out to them and you minister to them and you try to help them because you love Christ. And that patience of hope for Jesus Christ, that patient endurance of toiling, even when it's hard, maybe even when you're being persecuted, you keep on keeping on for the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's, it's brought to the attention of all of us that our Christian life is set before the eyes of God. I look at this, and I see this. Think about what this says. I know I, I said these are verses I know you read all the time, but we glaze over them. He said, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice what it says. You ought to underline this in your Bible. In the sight of who? In the sight of who? That's who you're doing it for. You see, you're doing this in the sight of God. God knows what you're doing. He's not forgetful of what you do. How many of you have ever read the book of Nehemiah? You go back and and multiple times, Nehemiah says, Oh, Lord, remember me for the good that I have done. (laughs) You know, you look at that and Nehemiah is saying, Hey, God, and God reminds us in the New Testament, he doesn't forget us. He doesn't forget what you do for him. He's not a forgetful person like some of us may be. And it's brought to our attention that everything that we do are set before the eyes of our Savior. Therefore, we're to continually pray for the work and the people in this place called church, and we're to love one another, we're to pray for one another, we're to remember one another. And that's what Paul's challenging this church at Thessalonica to do. And so lastly this, as saved people, we are to encourage others in the faith as we win the lost. He said... A patience of hope in the Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God our Father, knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God. A saved people should encourage others in the faith. A saved person ought to encourage others in the faith. We ought to encourage one another, not discourage one another. We ought to do everything we can to be an encouragement to one another, to reach out to one another and to to care for one another in that vein, in that way. And boy, we ought to work together to win the lost. I'm asking this church now to start praying for a meeting that's going to take place in May of 2020 because we need God in that meeting. We need to win the lost. The world needs to be saved, folks, and God has given Calvary Chapel Baptist Church a task. And he said, you got a responsibility, and we need to win the lost to Christ. I'm asking Calvary Chapel to begin praying now, not the day that we do it, but now that we pray that God would open the windows of heaven, that he'd pour out a blessing upon us, that we could begin to see revival start to take place right here in western Ohio. And we watch God begin to do a work that man could not do. And it's not by the name of man that it's getting done, but it's in the name of Jesus Christ that it gets done. 
We begin praying now as a church body, and we pray for each other, and we're asking God, help us to endure, help us to work together, help us to be in unity of the faith, help us to love one another, help us to mention one another in prayers. Let's pray for one another and reach out to one another and communicate with one another, encourage one another to do whatever it takes to win the lost. That's what we ought to do. And I look to this, and God's election, I call it God's selection, of every saved individual, brethren, meaning Paul is already talking to those who are saved. When he talks about the election, he's talking about folks that are already saved because knowing brethren, you ought to underline that in your Bible, knowing brethren, people who are already saved is who he's talking about. He says, beloved, your election of God, those that are saved and chosen to be conformed to the image of Christ. So what does it mean to be conformed to the image of Christ? You know, our life ought to be a picture of our Savior. Hey, listen to me. The married couples that are in here, I want to tell you something. Your marriage ought to be a picture of the local New Testament church. Your marriage ought to be a picture of the local New Testament church. Amen. You go and you read Ephesians and see if I'm not telling you the truth. You go in there and look at that and you see that a marriage is a picture of Jesus Christ in the local church. It's a beautiful picture, and that's what our marriages ought to be like. And so you say, well, what is that saying to us? Well, husbands love your wives as Christ also what? Loved the church and gave himself for it, didn't he? So husbands, how are you supposed to love your wives as Christ also loved the church? And, and we're to give ourselves over to our wives that way. It's a picture of the local New Testament church. It's Jesus Christ's relationship to the local church. Christ died for us, did he not? Husbands, the Bible is literally telling us that we are to die to self and to live for our wives. And we see that in the scriptures. And here's the thing. Uh, What it is is that these folks are getting this letter from Paul and he's saying, hey, listen, I want you to remember something. We ought to encourage one another in the Lord. The saved ought to encourage one another. So what does it mean to be conformed? Well, my life and my lifestyle. It implies that we have salvation. We have eternal life. And Paul's telling the saved that knowing that you are saved, we ought to have these characteristics present in our life. And often this is used interchangeably with the word predestination. We find that over in uh, Romans. He said, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate. Now listen to this, to be conformed to the image of his son. God's desire for you and me is, when we get saved, is to be more conformed to Christ. If you conform to something... (laughs) That means you're being more like it, right? You're conforming to what it is. And so as an elect, as a saved person, Paul's encouraging them, hey, listen, these things ought to be present in our life. What is it? Making mention of each other in our prayers. We have this labor of love. We have this patience of hope. We're enduring to the end. We're going to do these things. And why? So that we can encourage others to do the same. And we're going to do this as a church body. And when Paul uses the term here of election, of God, this is used of those that are saved, and we are to be conformed to that image of Christ through how we live our lives. Listen, the very words we speak, our deeds, our words, our actions, they ought to present Christ to other people. They ought to. Now let me share something with you. I fail at it miserably sometimes. I get caught up in my day. I get caught up in my thoughts. I get caught up in what I'm doing, and I forget Christ. But do you know throughout the day, He'll always remind me, you didn't say anything about me today. (laughs) You didn't talk about me today. 
You didn't tell anybody about me today. Hey, Bob, what's going on with you? <laughs> Where's your heart? Where's your mind? Boy, he wants to meet with us, doesn't he? Now, I don't know if you have that kind of conviction in your life, but I'm telling you, your pastor has that conviction in his life. And God reminds me when I haven't met with him. God reminds me when I have not read his word. I get rushed and I take off. I go do something. I get, get moving and just get into my day. God reminds me. And the thing of it is, is that that Holy Spirit that indwells us wants to hear God's word too. <laughs> the Holy Spirit indwells us. We ought to encourage one another to be in the word of God. Constantly encouraging one another to pray for one another. Being conformed to the image of Christ. When you think about it, he did always those things which pleased the Father. You know, folks, this is just a simple biblical view of election and predestination. God predetermined when we got saved, we ought to be conformed to the image of Christ. <laughs> he elected us. We got, you know, it's a selection that was made. Someone likened it to this when you go into the voting polls, you know, and you make an election, <laughs> you're at an election, so you agree with, so you're kind of in that agreement mode with Christ, if you will. I agree that he is the Lord and master of my life. You, you're electing. So the election is not that he picked out anybody in that sense, but everybody that's saved, he picked us out to be more conformed to the image of his son. Amen. Every one of us ought to be that way. This then is a faith based on salvation, which demonstrates the need of Christ to die on the cross for our sin. Because if that's not what he did, then, you know, we just sit back and wait for God to select and elect anybody that he chooses to go to heaven. <laughs> and that's not how it works. What's the encouragement here? Well, making mention of you in our prayers. So are you doing that? Are you mentioning one another in your prayers? Are you remembering those? Like this morning, how many of you realize people are still working inside the church while we're in here in a service? People are doing things. Sunday school's being taught and things are happening. How about the ladies playing the pianos? How many of you have walked out of here one day and just said, hey, listen, I just want to thank you for playing the pianos? Do you realize how much work goes into that? Miss Kathy sang a special for us this morning. That took time. Do you ever walk up to someone and just say, hey, thank you, I appreciate you doing that for us? We getting it? You understand what I'm talking about? We really ought to be thankful to one another. We ought to be remembering what each other are doing. Some of those ladies that are putting time in the nursery back there, have you ever gone back and just said, hey, listen, I really appreciate you guys watching the nursery, you ladies watching the nursery, not guys, ladies, right? Appreciate you ladies watching over the nursery. You ever say to one of the bus drivers in the morning, hey, thank you for driving the bus. Appreciate you doing that. Hey, someone set up the communion table tonight. Did you know that? Have you ever walked over to the person that does it and said, hey, I just really appreciate you doing that. Thank you. Thankfulness, a heart of thankfulness. Are you with me? You see, the church functions because we are a body. We're a family, aren't we? And when you look at it, we ought to have a thankful heart about things. Somebody comes and opens the building in the morning and turns on all the lights. Turns everything on. Turns the projectors on. I mean, we don't think about some of this stuff, do we? Somebody turned the air on last night. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> and the thing of it is, is do we think that way at all? Hey, Brother Chris and Brother Mike just spent an entire Saturday out there digging a ditch so that the water's not running across the parking lot. Hey, thank you. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate it. Amen. I really do. That makes a difference to the ministry. 
Do we have that thankful heart? When's the last time you walked in and thanked Miss Vicky for keeping our church records for us? Said, Vicky, listen, I really appreciate you doing that. Are you with me? When's the last time you walked up to Brother Dave and said, Dave, thank you for heading up the music. Appreciate you leading music for us. I'm just saying, we have a lot to be thankful for, don't we? There is a lot of people doing a lot of things. And sometimes we just get on each other's nerves. <laughs> and what we should be doing is being thankful for one another and start thinking about how can I have a spirit of thankfulness. Now, I gave you a bunch of verses that tells us we ought to be, amen? So let's have that spirit of thankfulness one toward another. Hey, let people see your work of faith, your labor of love, and your hope of patience. Hey, listen, your patience of hope means a big deal. When you look at that and you say, okay, what is it that we're talking about? Even in the tough times, they see Christ in you. Let's pray.